Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Ezekiel 37, the first 10 verses. Reading a few more today than we have been the last few weeks. Ezekiel said, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And then he asked me, son of man, can these bones live again? Can these bones become living people again? And Ezekiel very wisely said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of God. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. And I'll put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath into you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. Now let's look at verse 7. So I spoke this message just as he told me and suddenly as I spoke there was a rattling noise all across the valley the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons and then I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones then skin formed to cover their bodies but they still had no breath in them and then he said to me speak a prophetic message to the winds son of man Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. And so I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet. A great army. A great army. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for the opportunity to come to this house today to hear your word, to worship you, to exalt your name. And Lord, we just, we just open ourselves up right now to hear what it is that you have to say to us. I pray, Lord, that we're not just hearers of your word, but doers of it. I thank you for victory, Jesus. I thank you for faithfulness through the battle but I thank you for victory. And I thank you that the atmosphere has changed over covenant life today. And I thank you that you are going to accomplish what you've promised. And Lord, we just rest in it and we rejoice in it and we're so grateful to be a part of it. We just say thank you, Lord. Have your will, have your way in this place today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Ezekiel, the prophet, was taken by the Spirit of God into a, a valley full of dead, dry bones, just scattered all around. 
these bones, they weren't connected to anything. They weren't attached to anything. Just individual dry bones laying everywhere. He was asked if they could live again. But Ezekiel offered uh, the question back to the Lord. He just deferred it right on back to the Lord and said, "I, I don't even know. Lord, you're the only one that knows. The interesting thing to me, and we've read this I don't know how many times, but the interesting thing to me this week as I read it again is that God didn't answer his question. He said, you're the only one that knows, Lord, and God didn't bother to answer. He just gave him something to do. He didn't say, Ezekiel, I'm the Lord, and with me all things are possible. He didn't say anything. He just gave Ezekiel a job. He told him to prophesy to the bones, tell them that God would put breath in them and bring them back to life. As a matter of fact, he said it twice. He was going to put flesh and muscle and skin on them, and they would live again. What an incredible prophecy, right? What an incredible promise from the Lord, because anything the Lord says is a promise. But I want you to notice what happened. Ezekiel spoke the prophecy exactly as the Lord gave it to him. And when he did, the bones began to rattle, and they came back together. It was, it was as if Ezekiel was watching a reverse time-lapse video of what had happened to these bones in the first place. He found them dried and scattered, but now they were coming back together. They were reconnecting. Muscles were starting to form. Flesh came over the bones, and, and then skin covered everything. It was, a, it was a miraculous occurrence, wouldn't you say? And just for the moment, Ezekiel must have been overjoyed. He must have been excited. I mean, he must have been about to answer God with an enthusiastic, yes, Lord, now I know the answer. Yes, these bones can live again. These bones are alive. But then Ezekiel looked back one more time, maybe before he spoke to answer God, and something caught his eye. Well, really, it wasn't, it wasn't the presence of something, but rather the absence of something that caught his eye. These newly formed bodies weren't breathing. They weren't breathing. They had flesh, they had bone, they had tendons, they had ligaments, they had skin. They had all the appearance of life. They still had no breath. Without breath, they were still just as dead as they were when they were just a bunch of scattered dry bones. I have to admit that this is the part of this passage that scares me as your pastor. It's clear that God's had me prophesying life over all of us over the last few weeks, speaking to the dead dry bones among us and telling you that you can live again. And I'm telling you that over the course of the last few weeks through this Rehydrate series, I can hear some bones starting to rattle, right? I can hear people, I can hear healing taking place. I can see people making progress. I can see things coming together. And like Ezekiel must have been in that moment, I am so excited about what God's doing in us and among us. But let me say this as respectfully as I can, okay? God's not calling us to rattle. He's raising us for battle. He's not calling us to rattle. He's raising us for battle. He's trying to raise up an army, y'all. Not a marching band. He doesn't want a bunch of noisy dead people. He wants a people who can stand together as a mighty army 
shoulder to shoulder, armed with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, covered by the whole armor of God, doing warfare with principalities and powers in the spirit world, marching out into a lost and dying world with a mission of love in the fulfillment of the Great Commission to go and make disciples of everybody we meet. But what scares me is the prospect that we'll get excited by the motion and forget that the ultimate goal is not the rattling, but the resurrection. When Ezekiel looked at them, he knew something was wrong. They looked a lot better from the outside. They just had no breath. They were still dead. Doesn't matter how good you look, they're still dead. Listen to me. The last thing we need in this world... The last thing we need in this community is another church that looks good from the outside but is actually just a bunch of well-dressed corpses. No such thing as less dead. Right? We got doctors, nurses in here. You, you don't get, like, you just, you dead or you're not dead. Right? You can't get, you're not kind of dead. You don't call the funeral home like, y'all just hold on. They kind of dead. Y'all can kind of come. You're either dead or you're not. You're either dead or you're not. Don't settle for anything less than fully alive. Don't stop until you're breathing again. Don't stop until you are fully alive. Don't stop until you receive the breath that God promised and you are constantly breathing him in and exhaling all of that stuff that leads to death. You're not fully alive until you're breathing the breath of God. And so that begs the question, what's that? What is the breath of God? What's this breath that Ezekiel noticed was missing? What's this breath that's so important that it determines whether you're dead or alive. Well, let me show it to you. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Y'all have heard this, right? The, the earth was formless and, and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. The word that's translated spirit, right there in, in Genesis, in the second verse of the whole Bible, is a Hebrew word, ruach. Ruach. It means spirit. It means wind. It means breath. At the moment of creation, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, was present and involved. The Holy Spirit is always associated in Scripture, so he's always associated with life. As a matter of fact, the New Testament says the letter kills, the Spirit makes alive. There is no life apart from the Spirit. When Ezekiel said in the first verse that, of, of Ezekiel 37 that the Spirit took hold of him, it's still the same word, ruach. And in verses 4 and 5, when God said he's going to put breath into these dry bones, it's the same word, ruach. And when he tells Ezekiel to call for the wind, it's the same word, ruach. The last few verses of the chapter make it clear that when God says he's going to put breath 
in these skeletons and then calls for the wind to come, that he's not calling on a gentle breeze to blow their way. He's not calling for a westerly wind to come off of the Mediterranean. He's not calling on the jet stream or even a hurricane. He's calling on the mighty rushing wind of Acts chapter 2. He's calling on the one who hovered over the face of the earth and brought life. He's calling on the one who brought absolutely everything out of absolutely nothing. He's calling on the one who, according to Romans, raised Jesus from the dead with resurrection power. When God told Ezekiel to call for the wind, he's telling him to call on the Holy Spirit to breathe into these lifeless bodies so they can live again. It's the same thing that Joel spoke about in Joel chapter 2 when he wrote that in the last days the Lord is going to pour out of his spirit, pour out of Ruach upon all flesh, upon men and women, upon sons and daughters, even upon servant boys and girls. Young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. You say, yes, but that already happened. That happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter said right there on that day, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he came like a mighty rushing wind. We don't have to call on the Spirit to come. He already came. And now every believer has the Spirit of God. And in response to that, I'd say, yes. Yes, you're right. The Spirit has come. And the, and, and the Word says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, then you're not His. You don't belong to Christ. That's accurate. But let me ask you something. What was surrounding the bones... In that valley. Wasn't it air? Wasn't air all around them? So the air was there. They just weren't breathing it. So let me ask you this, child of God. Are you breathing in the Spirit of God? Are you breathing Him in? He's breath. But are you breathing Him in like your life depends on it? Are, are you allowing his wind to fill your sails? Are you still trying to row this boat in your own strength? Have you surrendered your whole self to him? Are you still trying to do things in your own power? Are you walking in the spirit? Or are you still walking in the flesh? I want to show you what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. We, we saw that demonstrated a few minutes ago when Matt, when Matt baptized his little girl. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you're a believer, your life is only through faith in Jesus because you died. That means you're breathing his breath and his breath is the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it any other way. You are only alive through Christ. It's in Him that you live and you move and you have your being. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be like rivers of living water flowing out of you. Let me ask you this. Is that what you're experiencing? Is that what's happening in your life? Are there rivers of living water flowing out of you? Or are you just desperately trying to stay hydrated for yourself and there's nothing left for anybody else? John the Baptist said Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Is that how you've experienced him? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Does he saturate every fiber of your being? You say, well, John, I don't know about all that. I don't know if I believe in all that. And I get it. There was a time in my life I didn't believe it either. Or I didn't know what I was supposed to believe. When I became pastor of this church, I went back to the scripture to make sure I could back it up because I'm going to stand before God about what comes out of this pulpit, what comes out of my mouth. So I, I went back and just made sure that I could back it up. Here's what I found. There are at least four instances of Holy Spirit baptism in the book of Acts. One on the day of Pentecost with 120 in the upper room. One uh, it, with the Samaritans after Philip went and preached the revival. Peter and John went and laid their hands on the people who had been saved and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. One in the Gentile Cornelius' house when they gathered and, for, and called for Peter to come. Every time it was a separate experience from salvation. In Acts chapter 19, Paul meets some men that Scripture identifies as disciples, as believers. And Paul asks them if they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit since they believed. At that point, it had been 20 years since the day of Pentecost. Thousands of people had been saved. The New Testament church had been birthed. But the Apostle Paul, who wrote almost half the New Testament still felt it necessary to encourage blood-bought, born-again believers to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11. You, this, some of this is going to sound familiar to you. And so I tell you, keep on asking. Ask and keep asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep seeking, and you'll find. Keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. You've heard that, right? For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children, this is still part of the same conversation Jesus is having with these people. You fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Some of you dads don't need to answer that question in public. At least not while your wife's around. If they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Jesus said, of course not. So his conclusion is, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now we've heard bits, of piece, bits and pieces of that all our lives. That's the whole passage in context. Jesus said to ask the Father for the Holy Spirit. I was born to parents who attended an Assemblies of God church. That's a Pentecostal denomination. By the time I was seven, we started attending uh, the Baptist church up the road from us. And then when I was 15, we went back to the Assemblies of God church that was in Carrollton. Um, my spiritual heritage then is Bapticostal. And then when I was traveling singing with a southern gospel group, I saw everything, right? Everything. Um, I've seen it all. <laughs> well, I still get surprised every once in a while. But I have seen it all, heard it all, and, and I, I, I feel like I need to share this. I am, by nature, an introvert. I'm a professional extrovert, but by nature, I'm an introvert. I don't like calling attention to myself. I don't, I, I'm not overtly emotional. And the Holy Spirit, as he was preached and demonstrated to me and around me in the churches I grew up in, quite honestly, was terrifying. He, he scared me to death. 
when Valerie and I got married, we started attending a church of God, and that's how I sort of made my way around to pastoring in this denomination. But something started changing about my attitude towards the Holy Spirit as I walked into adulthood. Um, maybe you didn't know this, but adulting is way harder than we thought it was going to be. Right? We thought like quicksand was going to be a big thing. Turns out not so much. Um, there are a lot of things that I was not ready for. It was way harder than I thought. And I started to realize that the Holy Spirit was not a sparkling accessory to the life of a super spiritual being, that he was a necessity. I, I found out that despite all that I knew from my life growing up in the church, that something was missing. I was missing this enabling I was missing this infilling. I was missing this abiding connection with the Lord that didn't come and go with a church service. Amen. So Valerie and I were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the same night in, in March of 1992. And our lives have never been the same since then. I have, uh, I've never said this before, but this is how it just sort of came out as I was preparing for this message. And I want you to pay attention. I don't think it's an exaggeration. I haven't talked to Valerie about this, so she'll be as surprised as you. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that neither of us would be in this church, especially not pastoring this church, if it weren't for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We probably wouldn't still be in ministry, to be honest with you. We may not even still be serving the Lord. We may even not still be married. One or both of us might not even still be on this earth. You don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to die and go to heaven. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to live on this earth. Okay? So, John, I don't like you cramming stuff down my throat. Well, like, close your mouth. I'm not clowning. I'm like, shoving nothing down your throat. I'm just sharing. I'm trying to save you. <laughs> the bleeding from my forehead as I ran into the same brick wall over and over again. There have been many times in my life that I have had dry bones. Many times. Many times I thought about quitting. A few times I tried, and I'm apparently not good at it. Many times I had serious doubts and questions that shook my faith. So I know what it's like to feel like you're stuck behind a glass watching God move in other people's lives while yours spirals out of control. And as having been the worship leader in this church for 15 years before I started pastoring, I provided the soundtrack, if you will, of God moving in other people's lives while mine fell apart. So I know what that's like. I'm just here to tell you, Jesus is the source of life. And he left us his Holy Spirit as the way to connect to him. As humbly and as sincerely as I can possibly say this, I have never met a believer who was strong and mature and healthy who didn't have a deep and personal connection with the, per with the person of the Holy Spirit. That's just 
That's just my experience in almost 54 years in the church. If you're truly going to get rehydrated, and that's the whole point of this, of this series, if you're truly going to get rehydrated, it will be in the river of living water that is the Holy Spirit. If you're truly going to live after being dead and dry and scattered around the valley, you're going to have to be filled with the breath of God, and that is the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a magic potion. You have to build a relationship with Him. You have to learn to trust Him in all of the areas of your life. If you don't learn to breathe with God's breath, you're going to dehydrate again. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But I'm glad he didn't stop the conversation there. He went on to say, but with God, all things are possible. Paul said, I can do all things. And we like that. And I've heard people say that, that, like they're quoting the verse. That ain't the whole verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You have to start finding your strength in Christ. And that comes through the Holy Spirit. It's the only way, y'all. It's the only way. This is the last message in the, in the Rehydrate series, which followed the On Mission series. And it's really all the same thing. I just I thought you'd get bored if I continued the On Mission. Um, see, I'm thinking about stuff. Um, I, as I prepared this, this week, I mean, I put the period on the last sentence, and I just felt like everything changed. I, I feel like I have I birthed this thing. No disrespect to you ladies. It's been a heavy, heavy time around here for a long time. As the Lord has been doing something in us. And we, we, we've, had, we've seen little uh, flumes of, of revival fire. Right, some little steam or something as the water gets heated up. We, we've seen little, little pieces of that just to keep us encouraged, give us hope to keep going on. But I'm telling you, something changed this week. This is the key. This is it. This is it. What God's going to do after today is rooted right here. Certainly in all the other stuff that he's, that he's done. But we had to do all of that to get to here. I think these, these last two series, the Rehydrate series, the On Mission series, probably the most important messages I've ever preached in my life. You've got all the tools you need. Okay? We don't have to talk about it every week. You've got all the tools you need, and, and because of modern technology, you can go back and listen to them and re-listen to them. I'm telling you, there was a lot in every message. And I would encourage you to go back and listen again and listen again. And I want you to squeeze out every drop that God has for you from these messages. There's so much that God wants us to do, so much that he wants us to do as a church. So many of you that need to get engaged in ministry and using the gifts that he's placed in you. But the Lord pressed pause on all of that. I've got a list started of things that we need to be doing, but God said it was not time until we get equipped in the Ephesians 4 sense of the word. But listen to me carefully. 
It's not going to do any good. What does equipped mean? It means mended, restored, renewed. It's not going to do any good for you to get healed, for you to get mended, for you to get restored, for you to get renewed, and then go right back out there in your own strength. It's, it's Honestly, it's just foolishness. You've got to learn to walk in the Spirit and surrender your will and your ways to the Spirit. You say, John, I, listen, it scares me. I don't, know, I don't know about all this surrendering to the Holy Spirit. What, what does that even mean? You will, I will never be able to wrap our minds around everything that it means. But from an old Baptist boy, let me tell you a few things. The first thing is, the Holy Spirit is God. He's not a force. He's not some sort of nebulous gas floating around. He's God. Just like the Father and the Son. If you trust God, if you trust Jesus, you can trust the Holy Spirit. Because they're never out of step with each other. They're the same person. Let me put it this way. When the Father, you say, well, we believe that, that in Genesis chapter 1 that God spoke everything into existence. Listen to this. When the Father speaks, Jesus is the Word, Holy Spirit is the breath. You can't separate them. That's why there were all three there. You can't separate it. Holy Spirit is God. Second thing is Holy Spirit is a helper. He helps you. He helps you do the things that you can't do. I am learning with every birthday that there's less and less that I can actually do. I'm quickly approaching. There is nothing that I can do without him. Right? Can't do it. I've tried all this. Look, if you can just work harder and accomplish it, I've tried that. I, don't, I am not afraid of work. I, what I'm finding out, though, is some things you can't work harder to get. Some things can't be obtained by striving. Some things have to, the best things have to be obtained by surrendering. And that's hard. Surrender is hard work for me. But that's the way he set it up. Because it's not about you. It's about him. It's about him. He helps you do things that you can't do. And if you'll let him, then you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. When Mary, Christmas is coming, we'll, we'll, hear, this, we'll hear this story uh, 12 dozen times. When Mary was questioning Gabriel about how a virgin was going to be able to deliver a child, Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And he's going to overshadow you. That, what does that mean? It means he's going to hide you in himself. He's going to hide you and your flaws and your inabilities all inside and underneath himself. He's going to fill in the gaps where you lack. He's going to make you able because it's his breath in your lungs and it's his power in your hands helping you to carry out the will of God. The Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a gift. He will be nothing but a blessing to you. I have never once regretted surrendering my life to him. And I don't know a single person, and I know a lot of people, who wishes they were less acquainted with the Holy Spirit. You ever heard anybody say, well, things were going okay. Then I, you know, I got to know the Holy Spirit and just went downhill after that. I don't know anybody. 
I know a lot of crazy people that might actually say something crazy like that. They've never said that. The Holy Spirit's a counselor. He's a counselor. Matter of fact, he's the best there is. You got stuff you need to work through? You, I do. What we've been talking about in this series. Church hurt? Man-made lies that have become mental strongholds for you. The stuff that you've believed and maybe built your life on and then you're like, that's not even true. Shame. Traumas and tragedies that you've been a part of. He specializes in that stuff. He specializes. He'll show you where the roots are. And he'll show you how to heal from it. What else do you need to know? What else do you need to know about the Holy Spirit? You say, well, John, doesn't it bother you that some people do weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit and, and you're just not sure about all that? Well, sure it bothers me. But people do weird things in the name of Jesus that I'm not so sure about either, but doesn't keep me from surrendering to him. You say, I, I, I've seen a whole lot of people act like they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they really weren't. I've seen a whole lot of wildfire in my time. Yeah, yeah, so have I. Let me ask you this. You ever seen a counterfeit $40 bill? No, you never will. Why? Because you can't counterfeit what doesn't exist. You can't counterfeit a $40 bill. There ain't a $40 bill. If you're dumb enough to take one and get excited about it, you deserve it. You can't counterfeit what doesn't exist. The fact that there is a counterfeit just underlies the fact that the real thing exists. People get all hung up about, about seeing people that acting like they got, they got the Spirit when they don't have the Spirit. Well, you have to believe in the Spirit for that to offend you. As proud as I am of all the work that people are putting into getting healed and rehydrated and reactivated in the work of the ministry, as excited as I am about the rattling I can't emphasize to you enough the importance of getting God's breath in your life through the work of the Holy Spirit. When you ask him, he will give you a way to pray that bypasses your beat up and busy brain. Some people call it a prayer language. I got no problems with that terminology. The Bible calls it praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. It's a surrendering of your will to the control of the Holy Spirit who will pray through you in accordance with the will of God. And who knows the will of God better than the Spirit of God? You say, like, do you go into a trance or something? Is it weird? Well, uh, if you were here last week, when I wasn't singing, I was praying in spirit through the whole worship set. I was right in front of you. And other than the fact that I just kind of generally look weird, did you see anything weird? No, no. If you didn't know, you wouldn't have known, right? That was deep. But you know what I'm talking about. I say, I got jewels like that in my life just about every day. Y'all should just follow me around and take notes. That kind of wisdom just flows out. Yeah. The, the, the message last week on shame and just where, I, now I know I felt like, I feel like we were reaching the pinnacle of the fight that we've been fighting for, for all these months that was just weighing on me. And I was, I was praying for you 
And I was praying for myself to be able to deliver it the way that I felt like the Lord had put it in my spirit. And so, so I was just praying in the spirit the whole time that you, that you receive it and hear it and, and get set free. Romans 8 says what we, what we all know to be true. Look at this, Romans 8, 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Didn't I tell you he was a, a helper? For example, and see if this ain't the truest thing you've heard today, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. We, we just don't know. We don't know how to pray. You say, but you're a pastor. Yeah, I am. And I'm confused most of the time, right? I don't always know what to do. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit's saying for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And then, hey, look at this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Isn't that exactly what I just described to you? Believe me, you need a friend like the Holy Spirit to pray the will of God over you and through you. That's just one of the many benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, of surrendering yourself to the breath of God. That glass wall that we've been talking about, he'll help you pray it down. He'll help you pray it down. He'll help you worship and praise it down. He'll usher you right on into the throne room. He'll take you right into the presence of God. And it doesn't always have to be, it doesn't have to be in this sanctuary. It can be right where you live. It can be in your car. It can be in your in your in your bedroom, in the closet. See, worship doesn't have to be a chore. You don't have to stand there with your hands shoved as far down in your pockets as you can, waiting on Corey to shut up. Right? It doesn't have to be a chore. It doesn't have to be a checklist. It'll be like spending time with an old friend. Prayer's not always got to be a checklist and a chore. There'll be times that the Holy Spirit will intercede for you and through you in your prayer time. And it just becomes this incredibly powerful and meaningful experience. You used to dread prayer time. But, but, but when those that kinds of events happen, and those experiences happen, you, you, won't, you, you can't wait to get back to prayer time. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you today, life is in the ruach. It's in the breath. It's in the wind. It's in the Holy Spirit. And if you're not breathing with the Spirit yet, you can start today. You can start today. You say, what do I got to do? I have to assume the position, I have to raise my hand. Stop trying to do anything. Doing is probably what got us in this mess in the first place. Stop doing and start receiving. Start surrendering. What did Luke say? He said, ask. Just ask. Seek. Go after him. Knock on the door. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can start today. Y'all stand with me. Stand with me, please. Say, John, you're going to crank up the organ now. We're going we're gonna to fire up the band, and we're going to just dance our way. 
probably not. It's more important than that. It's too important to try to manipulate a manifestation. Well, I'm talking about something that's real. I'm talking about something that's, that's alive. I'm talking about something that he's a person. Like, he don't need entrance music. He just needs an open heart. He needs an open heart. I talked with a lady today before church, and she wanted me to, to consider sharing this story. She was 10 years old, sitting at the, at the beach, and had this vision. And at the end of that vision, she was singing songs in a language that she didn't know. Raised Presbyterian. She had no idea what was going on. For decades, didn't have any idea. 35 years old, she walked into a charismatic church in the 70s, early 80s, and heard, hey, other people sing these strange little songs too. And she found out that this was a biblical experience that the Lord had blessed her with outside of her knowledge, outside of her striving, outside of, she, she was just in a soft and tender place with the Spirit. And he baptized her in the Spirit right there. It wasn't against her will. It was just, against, it was just beyond her knowledge. So I'm just, I just want you to know it doesn't have to be some sort of don't put him in a box quit putting him in a box and just trust him and surrender to him and just whatever he says to do next you just do that okay but it's going to be an everyday moment by moment walk with the Lord surrendering yourself to his spirit when you do that you'll be breathing a mighty army for him to dispatch into this world that needs to know him desperately. So I'm going to pray. This altar is open. We're going to sing another song together. And we're just going to let God be God. Okay? Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you have continued to be, per- you've continued to pursue us with your goodness and your mercy, with your word, with your truth calling us into your arms, calling us into your presence, calling us to be healed, calling us to be mended and restored. Lord, just calling us to to be with you. And Lord, this is an extension of that. And I pray, Lord, that you would help every one of us, that we would, um, that we just surrender to you. That we quit trying to fight it, quit trying to quantify it, quit trying to, to analyze it. And then we just say, God, I I just trust you. Jesus, I trust you. And if you say you're leaving spirit for us and I want him breathing in me. So, Lord, I just pray that, that, that every one of us today who know you, who have surrendered our lives to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, would now surrender our lives to your spirit to breathe in us and through us for your honor, for your glory, for the accomplishing of the mission that you've called each and every one of us to. Lord, have your way in us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770 537 
770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.